We're here to say that the Bible does speak to your life. It is worth looking into, and we're here to help you. You may have questions. We want to talk about that. In Ireland, I feel like we've had a lot of religion. Not everybody has that relationship with God, and I think that is the most important. The Faith on Fire podcast with Steve and Oriel. Welcome to each of you um, on this special Christmas podcast. Uh, we want to wish each of you a Merry Christmas. Yes. And Oriel yeah. uh, and I love the Christmas story. We've been talking about it quite a bit here, about what does Christmas really mean. Mm. And uh, maybe you have a concept in your mind of what Christmas is all about. And here in uh, 21st century Western culture, we all kind of know what Christmas is, right? Mm. Christmas is Christmas trees. It's uh, presents under the tree. It's yeah. garlands, it's bells, and um, you know all the Christmas trappings that Santa we Santa Claus typically as well. Have. Oh, Santa Claus! How did I miss that one? <laughs> and uh, and this is what Christmas is for us. But really, it, it shrouds the true meaning of Christmas. Mm. And if you go back to the first century, um, to the birth of Jesus, which is what we're celebrating at Christmas time, they didn't have any of this. And so you have to ask yourself, what was Christmas really about? Mm. And you can see here on the desk we have this. Um, little manger scene, and here's little baby Jesus. And a lot of people think of Christmas, when they think of Christmas, they think of little baby Jesus laying in the manger. Yeah. And what a cute little baby, you know, bringing peace and love and joy and goodwill to men here on earth. Yes, yes. And uh, while that's true, Jesus was born in a manger. He humbled himself. He came and was born in a humble manger. He did bring uh, the peace of God to mankind. <clears throat> but the real way to think of Jesus is at Christmas time is not necessarily this little babe in the manger. The real way to think of him is as he is now and will be, which is the King of Kings yes. and the Lord of Lords. And Jesus came to be king. This little babe lying in the manger was born to be king. And so if you've never thought about that, uh, maybe, maybe Jesus isn't who you thought he was. Maybe you haven't been thinking about Jesus in the right way. Is Jesus just this humble little babe lying in the manger? Is he the the uh, the the needy man laying in the bosom of his mother Mary? Yeah. Or is Jesus the high and mighty King who is lifted up in authority? And so that's what we want to talk about here today. Yeah, yeah, and that is an amazing theme. I know as I've been thinking about particularly some of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus that we've been talking about mm -hmm. in the last few episodes, you know, it's just stirred my heart to think that Jesus is the king, that he is a great yeah. and mighty leader, you know, mm -hmm. and that he is our savior and our deliverer. I think a lot of the um, prophecies in the Old Testament begin to make sense when we look at what's called the Davidic Covenant. Mm -hmm. Of course, King David was one of the greatest kings that ever reigned in Israel. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, in some ways, Israel was at its peak, at its zenith, if you like, under the reign yeah. of King David. You know, yeah. David and his son Solomon. Yes, and yeah. Solomon, yeah, very true. Um, but at one point in David's reign... 
and we, we find the Davidic covenant, which I just referred to. David is about to build the temple. Uh, he wants to build the temple. Indeed, his son, Solomon, is going to be the one who actually builds the temple. But as he uh, contemplates that, God sends the prophet to him with a message. And he talks about how his son will build the temple. But then he makes some promises to David that are specific. In fact, they leave David in awe at the end. He's just like, God, you know, I'm so unworthy. How could you say you're going to do these great things Mm -hmm. for me and my descendants? And it's really uh, awesome. But there's a couple of things in the Davidic covenant, you know this, Steve, Mm -hmm. um, that God promises to David and to the nation of Israel. He talks about a permanent home for Israel. Uh, you know, that there would be a a place of, of permanence and of rest for them. Um, the temple, that place of worship for God, that that would be built in his son Solomon's reign. And he also talks about how he would establish Solomon. And that even if Solomon sinned, that although God might have to punish him, that God would not forsake Solomon as he did Saul, who was the king that preceded David. But the most... Uh, you know, amazing and far-reaching thing that God has to say to David in the Davidic covenant is that God will uh, give David an everlasting house, an everlasting succession of kings from his descendants. And it says in Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 16, uh, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Mm-hmm. Now, God doesn't mince words. In other words, he yeah. says what he means, and he means what he says. God doesn't idly use the word forever. And so, while God definitely was going to establish Solomon, and even David's grandsons and great-grandsons, etc., this promise looks forward uh, to one king <laughs> yeah. who will reign on the throne of David, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and uh, this is a little glimmer, a little hint about why Christmas is so significant. Yes. Christmas mm-hmm. really is the coming of the king child, the child who would be king. And I want to go to Isaiah. Isaiah really picks up on this theme, and, and last yes. week... Or we talked about the uh, virgin birth prophecy out of Isaiah mm. chapter 7. Yeah. And the virgin birth is the means of bringing this king into the world. And of course, it, it's the birth of Jesus. Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. And so Isaiah and Isaiah picks up on this. Now remember, this is many hundreds of years. This is about 700 years before the baby was ever born. Yeah. Isaiah looks way out into the future and he... He uh, predicts what this child is going to be like. Mm. And he says in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born. This is uh, Jesus, the babe, lying in the manger. Unto us a child is born. What is this child like? And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now these are this is high praise for this yeah. little babe lying in the manger. He's not this pathetic little 
baby. He would grow up and be this uh, weakling. Yes. Uh, yes, he was going to die for the sins of his people and for the sins of the world, but he would go on and he would sit on a throne, mm-hmm. the, the very throne of David that you talked about. Yes. And so what Isaiah says here is he fills us in more about this uh, promise, God's promise to David, and he tells us about this future king. Yes, he will be a child who's born of a virgin, but it says the government shall be upon his shoulders. So little baby Jesus uh the government would be upon his shoulders. In other words, his life would be consumed with governing. And the Bible, of course, looks forward to a time when Jesus will reign over this whole world. And not only that, but he will be called Wonderful, Counselor. And so, in other words, he'll be filled with the wisdom of God in order to counsel and govern the affairs of the world. Mm. And so, as you think about Jesus lying in the manger, who who is this babe? Um, this is the wonderful counselor, the mighty yes. God. Hmm. And so, again, you know, we've talked about the deity of Christ. This is Isaiah many hundreds of years before Christ ever came. And he said, Jesus, uh, the babe lying in the manger, will be the mighty God. Now, do you think of Jesus as a little babe lying in a manger? Or do you think of this babe in the manger as the mighty God? the one who would grow up to be a wonderful counselor, mm. the Prince of Peace, who carries the weight of the government on his shoulders. Mm. Uh, this is how Isaiah pictures him. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we could mention many other Old Testament passages, but basically this is the trajectory of the Old Testament from David all the way up through the prophets. Yeah, They're all looking forward to this Messiah figure who would come and save the nation, mm-hmm. save the people from their sins and from their enemies. Yeah. Yes. I, it's interesting to me, too, that uh, the Jews who are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, um, they had gotten to a place where, of course, the, the prophecies about Messiah have to do with kind of two aspects. One, that he will come as a king. Mm-hmm. And, but they also talk specifically ones like uh, Psalm 22, where Jesus mm-hmm. will be pierced in his hands and his feet. Isaiah chapter 53, where Messiah yeah. will suffer uh, for our sins, you know. Um, they talk about Jesus suffering. Um, and the Jews had really so lost sight of that aspect of Jesus coming. They were an enslaved people. They were under <coughs> Rome. Steve and I were talking earlier, and you said it brought out the point that these proud, once revered people, you know, harking back to the days of David and Solomon, mm-hmm. thinking of what a great nation they were, you know, mm-hmm. and here they are, they're under Rome, you know, even when they crucify Christ, they have to come and ask permission of the Romans. They can't actually put Jesus to death. They have to ask the Romans to do it for they're, them. They're a conquered people. Yes. Mm. Yeah, under the thumb of Rome. Very much so. And they desperately want to get out from under the thumb of Rome. Yeah. And they want to rise to ascendancy once again. Yes. And so they're placing all their hope in this prophesied king who was to come. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so there was this great expectation of the coming of a king. Mm -hmm. And I think it it was even broader than Israel, wasn't it? It was. I mean, the Jews are looking for this coming 
Messiah who will be a political leader and who will be a king and will conquer. And Jesus is that and he will one day reign, the Bible tells us, on earth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the future, in the end times. But um, he, at that time, had come as a suffering servant. And like you said, this was not just in Israel, um, but the historian Josephus and other uh, historians around the time of Christ said that in the whole eastern part of the world, the known world of that day, there was this expectation of a coming king who would be born in Judea mm-hmm. and who would reign over all the world. Now, it was no doubt influenced by the prophecies of the Old Testament in the Bible, mm-hmm. but we also find references to that um, advent uh, of this coming king in pagan writings, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So in in uh, Hebrew writings that would be outside of the Bible, in other words, yeah. they, they're not taken as being inspired scripture. They were never included yeah. with the Old Testament. And uh, in fact, the, the the prophets kind of let up. They they never received another word from God until about 400, yeah. or I'm sorry, after 400 years before Christ. Mm-hmm. So there was about a period of 400 years that was dark, no word from God during that time. But there were still Jews writing during that time, and and we actually have um, many of their documents, and they do speak of a restoration, Mm -hmm. and many of those documents reference a king and specifically a Davidic, in other words, a David-type Messiah who would come. And so we know this was the expectation Mm -hmm. of Israel, and it's it's interesting that the Jewish historian, not a Christian, hostile to Christianity, Josephus, Mm -hmm. he mentions that this was also an expectation outside of Israel with the pagan people. We're actually going to see that here in Matthew in just just a few moments, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, all this is leading up to the birth of this humble babe in a manger, and this really sets the stage for Christmas, uh, the the first Christmas, and mm-hmm. as we look at Christmas, it, Christmas is the coming of the one who was the hope, really, of the known world of mm-hmm. that time. Yeah, maybe not every individual, but there was this general expectation that a king would come. Yeah. There was a longing, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, compare that to our day when we see the failures of governments. Mm. We're not always happy with the government. Sometimes the government is unjust. The government doesn't live up to our expectations. The government yeah. fails us in many ways. The government usurps its authority over us yeah. and maybe exploits us or overtaxes us. And we're just generally unhappy with the, the government. No matter where we live in the world, we can find something that we're unhappy about. Uh, but we too have this long in this expectation that there ought to be something better than this. Hmm. And uh, and this is the message of the Scripture all culminating in the birth of Jesus. Jesus yes. is the one who would come to fulfill this and to be that person that the whole world is looking for, hmm. for, yeah, physical, political, spiritual salvation and freedom. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, what a powerful thought. And it's amazing, too, uh, that as one writer put it this way, it was almost as though in the time of Christ, a weary world was waiting for a coming deliverer. And don't we need that? You know, uh, know, if not politically and, and, you know, in our nation personally, you know, we need that, that deliverance and that King Jesus. 
So, Steve, take us through some of the things that we find in Matthew that announce Jesus as the king. Okay, so it's no surprise then. Now, think think of this. There are only two birth narratives in the New Testament. Yeah. So when we think about the, the story of the coming of Jesus and lying in the manger, there are only two, Matthew and Luke, right, of this. Mark and John don't. And so we only have two. And Matthew really sets forth Jesus as the king. And there are clues that Matthew gives us in his gospel that... that that tell us that Matthew is setting forth Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament expectation of a coming king. And the first thing that he does, I I, I love how Matthew 1 opens. Matthew 1, verse 1, the very first verse of the Old Testament, very significant. You could just gloss right over it and not think about it, but it's very significant. It says, "...the book of the generation of Jesus Christ..." the son of David, Hmm. the son of Abraham. And so Matthew here in the first chapter of Matthew gives us the the book of the generation or or the genealogy of Jesus. And the very first thing that he says about it is Jesus is son of David, son of Abraham. Yes. Yes. Uh, What is it that's significant about them? What's the promises to both Abraham and David? And Oreo, you talked about the promises to David. Mm And the, God's promise to David was that he would always have someone to sit on his throne and that yeah. God would establish yeah. his throne forever. And then here comes Matthew and he says of Jesus, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Hmm. And so this is very significant. Jesus is a king. He's the son of a king. In fact, he's the son of the greatest king of Israel. Uh, the the son of David. He's the great 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 great. I think yeah. uh, I think he mentions Matthew here mentions about forty two generations going back all the way to David, and uh, and Ma- Matthew actually traces his genealogy from David all the way down to Joseph, who was not Jesus's biological father. Remember we talked last week. Uh, Jesus was born of a virgin, and he yeah. had to be born of a virgin because he was God, and he was also the righteous Savior. He did not inherit sin from mm-hmm. Joseph, um, and and he is the God-man, so God really is his father. But it's very significant that Joseph is the legal father of Jesus, and Joseph himself was in the kingly line. He yeah. is the son yeah. of David. And so legally, Joseph had the right to sit on the throne of Israel, and he passed that along legally to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So when Joseph accepted Jesus as his own son, uh, he passed on to Jesus the right to be king. And so Mm -hmm. that's very significant. Mm -hmm. Matthew's going to say that, uh, that Jesus now legally has the right to be king and to sit on David's throne. And so that's the first thing. Uh, Joseph traces his lineage from David all the way down to verse 16. I love the way verse 16 says this. Matthew's very careful in the way that he states this. Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So he doesn't say that Joseph begat Jesus. It says that... Uh, Jacob begat Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, 
who is called Christ. In other words, he is the chosen one, mm-hmm. and he is the legal father of Jesus. Yes. And so right here, already at the very beginning of Matthew, we see that Jesus is, is the fulfillment legally in history of this yes. great foretold Messiah King who would come. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's awesome. You know, you wouldn't think that when you were observing his life in Nazareth. You know, right? As far as he's almost like an undercover king, <laughs> yeah. You know, because he's, you know, he comes to planet Earth. He's born in very humble circumstances in a cave. You know, in near Bethlehem, there in the city of the town of Bethlehem, and he lives this unassuming life. He he lives in Galilee and in he grows up in Nazareth. Then during his public ministry, moves to Capernaum, and this is like a a poor working class area of Israel. This is not, you know, uh, the royal sector of Jerusalem, if you yeah, like, you know. Right. And you would not, he doesn't look like a king. And yet he is a king, but he has come in that first uh, coming uh, to be born as that suffering servant that Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. But I fear that like you've shared so often because he came as a suffering servant and he did that for us we lose sight of the fact that he is an awe-inspiring and a majestic king and that he is a lord and that you know he deserves our our respect and mm-hmm. our awe like i mean really yeah. all that we can do is kneel before him and and say right. you are the king you know right so uh, there are two more things that yeah. Matthew mentions to set Jesus up as the king. Now, this is the Christmas story. When we think of Jesus at Christmas time, think of the way that Matthew presents him in the birth yeah. narrative. He's mm-hmm. the Davidic king. Not only is he directly in the line of David, legally through his father Joseph, but he was yeah. born in Bethlehem. Now, we mentioned this actually two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but Bethlehem is significant because this is the city of Joseph. It was also the city of David. So mm-hmm. again, Bethlehem is another connection of Jesus with the the uh, quintessential king of Israel, David. Yeah. And uh, Jesus himself is from the same city as David, the city of Bethlehem. And that also is according to prophecy. So that was prophesied. Yeah. Yes. And then the third thing we'll just mention very briefly, we're actually going to talk about this more next week, mm-hmm. but remember the three wise men or the magi came to seek out Jesus yeah. after he was born. And what did they want to do? They wanted to bring him gifts and they wanted to worship him. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about what that meant that they wanted to worship him next yeah. week. But this just shows there were people outside of Israel, just like you were saying earlier, Oriel, yeah. who mm-hmm. had an expectation that there was a king who was coming. Mm-hmm. And here came three wise men, maybe counselors to to a king, we, we don't really know, but coming uh, from outside of Israel, coming to seek out yeah. this little babe, mm-hmm. and of course guided by the star of Bethlehem. Yes. And yes. so the with these three things, the genealogy... The, uh, the uh, being born in Bethlehem and the the three wise men, Matthew is using these three to to really tell us the true identity of the babe who's lying in the manger. Yes, yes. Paul will later say his glory is veiled. 
you know, mm. during his earthly life. But underneath that veil, there's a glory that shines. It's the glory of the Father. Yes. This is who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. He's the mighty God, and he's the coming king who right now sits at the right hand of the Father yes. and yes. will reign mm-hmm. uh, over this earth in the future. Yes. And will reign in eternity. Indeed, and and I think we need to recognize him as such, yeah. as the king. And Steve, you've so eloquently put it, you know, particularly at Christmas time, it's strange that the time when really we're supposed to focus on Jesus, it's so easy to be distracted with yeah. so many things. Yes. And let me urge you this Christmas to recognize Jesus as king and to kneel before him and to recognize Jesus, I need you. I need you. Um, We do not do Jesus a favor, in a sense, when we come to him uh, for salvation and for forgiveness. We are coming to a great king, and we are kneeling before him and saying, you are my Lord, I need you. And it's as though he stretches out the scepter of salvation, uh, if you will, and gives us forgiveness because it is his divine right. It is his mm-hmm. kingly right mm-hmm. to give us that gift. And, you know, in order for a person to uh, know Jesus in a personal way, to experience his kingship in our life, uh, you know, Jesus, as Steve has referred to, will one day reign as king over all the earth. But, you know, he can be your king today. He can be your king this Christmas. And he came as a suffering servant to die for our sins so we can be forgiven. And if you will simply ask him to save you from your sins and to forgive you, if you will simply come to him for that salvation and believe on what he did on the cross, you can be forgiven. You know, Christmas time, I think, would be a wonderful time uh, for someone to make that decision to ask Jesus to save them. Yeah. And it would fulfill the purpose for why he came. Yes, it would fulfill his purpose for Mm. coming for you. Yes, exactly. To receive him this Christmas, Mm. and uh, we need to do that. That that is something that all of us need to do. And you know, you can simply do that uh, by speaking to him in prayer, just the way you know Steve and I are speaking to each other today. But to talk to him and to recognize that he is King, uh, that he died for your sins, and to ask him to save you. And let me also say, you know, if you have made that decision, you have asked Jesus to save you, let me encourage you to maybe spend some time stepping away from some of the enjoyments of Christmas this year. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy those things at all, but, you know, put those aside for a minute and kneel before Jesus and worship him as your king. Kneel before him uh, you know, he is an awesome king. Um, he is, as Steve has said, he's not just the babe in the manger. Praise God, he was the babe in the manger and yeah. fulfilled those prophecies. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's so much more than that. And we are, thank you for joining us here on the podcast this evening. Um, we we so enjoy doing this. Also want to say uh, we are excited um, about what's in store for 2021. We've got yes. lots of interviews coming up and discussion topics and uh, we are only getting started you yeah know, there are, so, is a lot it's only more the beginning that's exactly right it's yeah. going to be a fun ride we hope you stick with us yes 
very much. And if you have questions um, or you need more information, please do either message us on Messenger. You will see a message button um, on the Facebook uh, Navin Baptist Fellowship page, also on the Faith on Fire Ireland page. Message us or email us. You'll see an email uh, in an email address in a moment at the end of this video, info at faithonfireireland.net. Give us an email. We would love to correspond with you and try to be a help to you in any way that we can. And uh, please join us next week uh, for these uh, wise men who are shrouded in many ways in mystery. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the wise men and, and how they came to see Jesus. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, we wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Christ-filled Christmas, and a blessed and prosperous New Year. Thank you again. Thank you.